podcast for the fans of the 80s hit television show, Scarecrow Mrs. King. I'm Taya Johnston, and I'm joined by my very good friends, Lexi Fema and Jen Peterson. Unfortunately, Miranda Thomas won't be able to join us tonight. We are so glad you joined us for season three's Dead Men Leave No Trails. All right, so as Taya said, today we're going to talk about the season three episode, Dead Men Leave No Trails. In our revised episode, it's number 20, and also in the actual lineup that was shown, it was number 20 as well, so we sync up there, which is great. It originally aired March 31st, 1986, and it was directed by Harvey Laidman. We've already talked about him several times, but he directed 10 total episodes, mostly in season 3 and season 4. The writer we've also already spoken about, her name's Whitney Warrett Robertson. She wrote four episodes, and um, she has one more to go uh, in season 4, suitable for framing. For the guest stars, I'll start off with just two brief mentions that I want to talk about. Uh, first is Bruce's sister, actually, Nancy Boxleitner. She plays the IFF agent in training. Um, she only has two total credits, and, and like I mentioned, she's Bruce's sister, so that was nice. I'm guessing he got her that quick little part, and I'm surprised she didn't have more because the way that she did her part, I thought that she delivered the lines really well. It had good comedic timing, um, you know, kind of like poking fun at me that he's a little older. So I was surprised that she didn't have more than two credits. Um, but I guess that's what comes with having a big brother in the biz. The other person I wanted to just briefly mention, because we've already talked about him, Earl Billings. He played Bolton Jones. Uh, so we've already talked about him in Murder Between Friends. And in that episode, he played Isley. The, uh, one of the guest stars I do want to highlight, though, today is Dan Camel, who played Stephen Sully, and who has also been alternatively credited in other shows and movies as Jonathan Brooks, Stanley Camel with a C, and Stanley Camel. So it must have just been a typo. Uh, so he was born on January 1st, 1943, and he unfortunately died relatively young on April 8th, 2008, of a heart attack. He actually never married and didn't have any children. He had 138 total acting credits and some notable roles that I found. Um, actually, one was tipped off by Taya. Charlie's Angels in the season two episode, Hours of Desperation. According to her, she said his character, whose name was Dinsmore, made Kate's character, Sabrina, wear a homemade belt filled with dynamite. Uh, so based on that summary, I'm guessing he was a bad guy. He was he very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he made her wear the boom boom belt. Gotcha. Is that what they literally called it? He called it the boom boom belt. Yeah, I sent you the clip. You should have watched it. It's really funny. I know. I, it's on my list. I, He's creepy me. as oh. hell in it. That's great. Yes, yeah, so it's on my list. Thank you for doing that. And clearly I haven't, but I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, he was also in the movie Making Love also with Kate. Um, and I don't remember who this character was in the movie, but he played someone named Charlie. Um, in Monk, that was another notable role. Uh, he played Dr. Charles Kroger, who was Monk's psychiatrist for 44 episodes. And then some other notable works included Mork and Mindy, Star Trek Next Generation. Um, he was in four episodes of Hunter, seven of Cagney and Lucy, um, The Golden Girls, Beverly Hills 90210, The Nanny, and Reba. So the last person I'll talk about today is Jenny O'Hara. She plays Millicent McDonald, and she was born February 22nd, 1942 in California, and she has 167 acting credits. So she started originally her career in 1968, and she's still working. Um, she actually has one project in post-production that I'll talk about in a little bit. 
Um, she was in Charlie's Angels, uh, the episode Hellride in 1976, and she had a lot of small parts in some popular teen shows like Barnaby Jones, um, Remington Steele, As the World Turned, Law and Order, NCIS, Rizzoli and Isles, House, and then some of the bigger series that she was in, uh, My Sister Sam for 44 episodes, King of Queens uh, for 15 episodes, and then The Mindy Project more recently for 17 episodes as the character Dot. Um, so like I mentioned, she is still active. She has credits as recently as 2020 and has one project in production called Killing Eleanor as Eleanor Magnus. So that's what I've got for the first today. Very nice. I like how you, uh, I like the ones you did, the hi- highlighted. Okay, good. Those were good. Thanks. There were so many, so I looked up all of them, but Earl Billings, he sounded pretty interesting, but we already talked about him, so it wasn't going to be redundant. And everyone yeah. else was just kind of mad, so. No, that's cool. Bruce isn't the only one who got a family member uh, on the show. Oh, yeah? Beverly had her daughter on there. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shoot. Now I can't think. Her daughter name starts with a C and I can't think of it. It's like very, uh, very fancy formal name. Carrington. Carrington. Yes. Carrington. Yes. Thank you. I knew it started with a C. <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah. Carrington. So the synopsis for this episode. Amanda crushes her car into a dangerous terrace and has to follow a trail of clues to identify who he is and catch him before he carries out his next mission. Um, also, Taya, I looked up Carrington, so it's a matter of choice. She plays a young Asian. Okay, thank you. So a matter of choice. Okay, so that's why it has him up, because she, I was like, I wonder why we missed that, but okay. Okay, so the episode opens in a very exotic location. Again, I think the order we've done this in, they've they've all been, in the past few that we've done, have all been very exotic locations. One of the last ones we've done is the Triumvirate. Another exotic opening like we had with uh, the Eyes Have It, the Triumvirate, all these different exotic locations. Uh, this is uh, Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. I, I can't do my R's like you do. <laughs> I don't have that uh, sassy Latina. <laughs> I don't have that. Anyways, it opens up uh, in uh, that location. <laughs> and, in Argentina. Ar- yeah, it opens up in Argentina. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It opens up in Argentina. And this is set back. Uh, this is a prologue. So it's two years prior to present day uh, for the show. And we quickly see some kids playing in the street. And then there's a gentleman uh, that comes up and uh, he's walking down the street. There's a blue doodle bug, of course. That blue doodle bug was also in the triumvirate in the beginning. And that's also filmed in the same spot on the lot. (laughs) Uh, They have two doodle bugs in the scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is. You're right. There's two gentlemen in a car, both with big mustaches. And... um, they're watching this gentleman in the pink shirt and he's uh, got a full-on beard uh it is very clear that they're you know spying on him and then the one comes out and says he pulls out a transmitter and it's steven sally and they're like he, he looks more like a school teacher not someone who's killed thousands in cold blood which I hope it's not individual kills. That's awful. <laughs> it's probably like he yeah. blew up something and killed a bunch of people. And then, you know, I would think not that anything's okay. better. But anyways, the one guy says, well, today we'll just make the world a safer place. And then flicks the switch and a bomb goes off and uh, he's clearly dead. Or is he? 
So then that happens again, two years ago. Now we, we skip to present day and my gosh, Philip looks really mature there. Doesn't he? He's, he's, the same he's like grown so quickly. He really has. It's so funny how quickly they grow at that age. You know, I keep yeah. seeing my youngest out of the sh- corner of my eye. And I think it's my oldest. You know, oh, really? like he's just getting so wait till you, you haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> it's going to be know, weird for you. So it's been a while. So he's just grown so much. It's just it. And I see him every day. But like lately, he just they look so much alike. It's just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I think with the pandemic, too, people, I mean, my son's growing, too. I don't know what it is. If they're eating more. Yeah. It's happening. They're definitely eating more. The other day he goes, I'll take something. I'm like, um, you don't get two dinners. And then the next day he was like, I'll have a peanut butter sandwich. I'm like, you already had soup. I'm like, we don't get double lunches and double dinners, dude. He's getting so, yeah. he's got a little tummy now. <laughs> it's well, so I like a whole bag of pears in like one day. Oh my gosh. Why are you eating another pear? <laughs> That's wow. a lot of pears. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, our pets are getting bigger, too, because they're, they're, <laughs> we're home, so we give them treats. And then, you know, so it's just, I think we're all just expanding <laughs> the whole entire family, probably. Oh, well. Anyways, so, yes, Philip is looking uh, very mature, sounding mature, too. He's yeah. like, relax, Grandma. <laughs> so, apparently, his teacher is, uh, you know, the one who's corralling everybody and getting them on this train uh, so that they can go uh, on this trip. And uh, so Dottie's taking the, the two boys and they're going uh, to catch the train for the science club uh, trip that they have. Amanda comes down. She's got their books. Um, I do like her in the red. It's it's a interesting red color, too. I always yeah. like when she's in brighter colors. So yeah. I agree for sure. Yeah. It's a soft red. Yeah. Yeah. It's silky. Um, her hair looks different too. It's thinner. It like thinned out more. Not in the, but it's not as much volume. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. exactly. There's a scene in a little bit that I looked at and I'm like, God, what happened to her hair again? Like it, not that it looks bad, but it just is like so different. Than yeah. She usually wears it. It's, so, yeah, it's not, um, her. as curly. Yeah. It's not like fluffy. It's just more like soft, very soft. Like, yeah, exactly. Fluffy. She yeah. kind of transitions into that, though, right? Mm-hmm. The curly eighties into the more—I don't know. Yeah, as not we're getting goofy and just more sophisticated type of look. Right, we're getting it's further and good. further in uh, to the later eighties, I think, and then mm-hmm. so it's kind of transitioning into that nineties look instead of the eighties look. Probably hmm. there was yellow flowers on the on the counter behind uh, the boys there. The boys when she comes down, she's she's got both of their bags for them. There's a slight difference in the script that we have, which we have uh, the shooting draft dated February 19th, 1986. And in the script, the, the difference is she comes down and says, OK, fellas, here you go. Jamie, you forgot to pack your toothbrush. They like clean teeth in Philadelphia, too, you know, <laughs> and uh in the actual film version, she doesn't say that last line, but also it's both boys have forgotten their toothbrushes. So not oh, just Jamie. So Jamie's not the only one who uh, has bad hygiene. It's both of them. Uh, typical boys, I'm sure. Yeah, so they, probably, they probably won't use it anyway. I know, right? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I always pack that stuff and then they just, they're distracted and never gets used. Yeah, exactly. The boys, 
now are trying to practice their spiel, I guess, of what they're going to do for their science fair exhibit, uh, which is all about electricity. And uh, Philip is like cranking the thing. And he starts off slow and then he's getting a little too much there. In the script, Jamie warns him, don't do do it too fast. Like he tells him, don't do it too fast. And uh, but he doesn't do it, um, you know, too much. <laughs> he should have done it more in the actual film version. And then Jamie's very cute in doing this. He's doing his little spiel. And Amanda's like, yes, sweetheart. And she's all into it with him. Uh, and then they blow a fuse. And apparently this is only fuse. And so they're freaking out because now they have to leave because the teacher's there to pick them up and they're being rushed out. Uh, But Amanda, of course, saves the day and she says she'll uh, stop by the electronics store, pick up some new fuses and meet them at the train station. So mom saves the day as usual, right? Yay! Yay! Strapping young lad, turn the crank. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. It was inevitable that it was going to go. He's got to be macho about it. I'm going to generate a lot of electricity. A little is good, but a lot is so much better. (laughs) Especially with boys. Yes, exactly. So now uh, we skip to over to the agency, and Lee yet has another jacket. This one looks like that fake leather stuff. It's like plasticky, you know? <laughs> yeah, not my, not my favorite. That's for sure. So they're all sitting around a conference room. Now in the script, Francine's there in the conference room, uh, but she's not in it in the film version. And uh, so there's a little bit of a different play uh, on what happens, but uh, they're just handing out assignments. And then this is at the tail end and they all get up to leave. And somebody comes in with a little note and Billy tells him to have a seat and tells him that Mrs. Sawaski had her baby. And that's why um, now Miss, Mr. Sawaski uh, will not be there to do his uh, orientation speech. So he needs to find somebody who can do it. And uh, they all start like, uh, you know, like looking around like, hmm, if I don't make eye contact with him, he won't give me the assignment kind of thing. Cause obviously nobody wants to do that. And, uh, in the script, he says, as it says, as he looks around for, for a substitute, everyone tries to look invisible. He eyes Francine. Francine says, you wanted that update on the defector program before the State Department briefing tomorrow. Between that, the reception and the month end world sit trip. And Billy says, all right, all right. And then he goes, scarecrow. <laughs> He's like, sorry, Billy, you wanted the full report on Gaddafi. He goes, that can wait. The lecture's yours. Okay, folks, that's it. And then walks away. It's like, ooh, he didn't even have a chance there. But Francine's not in here in the actual film version, so. He deserves a little bit. <laughs> he can do a speech. Yeah. That's nothing for him. Nothing Come on. <laughs> Inspired those, those young agents. Yes. I'm sure they all have heard stories about him anyways. It's probably, half of them are probably there just because they've heard stories about him, maybe. <laughs> right. Now, Lee's got this assignment and he's not real happy about it. <laughs> He's like doodling when when he's supposed to be listening. He's like sitting there doodling. (laughs) But he mentions that Francine's got the Hotel Monroe uh, reception going. And then they've got all these different different conferences going on in the area, which we'll play in a a small part in this later. Lee makes this weird look to the other person like, what? What? Why are we? And then they get up. I don't know what he was doing that for. 
That's kind of weird. All those folders with the, the emblem on them. Man, I would kill to have one of those. <laughs> I know. You know they are. Oh. Oh, well. Lee is like really trying hard to get out of this. <laughs> he goes, you know I don't do speeches. I've been there trying to get out of that stuff. Oh, yeah. Does it work? No, it does not. <laughs> Only makes it worse, man. But apparently this guy's been doing the same speech every Monday for the past two decades. <laughs> two decades? Jeez, 20 years. Okay, that's a bit much. What a job, man, if you have to give the same speech every Monday. <laughs> they should have passed that around to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Let some newbie do it. Lee's stuck with his new assignment, and Amanda gets in her car and rushes uh, out of the electronics store so she can make the train. She backs up barely backs up and gets rear-ended really hard uh, by another vehicle. <laughs> she goes into the glove compartment box and grabs her insurance. <laughs> if you're if you're in an accident, stay calm. She goes, great advice. No wonder I pay so much for this insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. So she gets out and she's all prepared. This guy comes out and he's... It seems like the nicer the guy is, the creepier they are. Like the the more like into weird stuff they are. It seems like you know that yeah. super charming, like super charming. I'm not saying all charming guys are murderers, but just you know they. It's like that put on, you know. I see. He doesn't seem charming. He just seems like so like saccharine sweet, like so sweet and so nice. I even like. I, I was thinking that too. I'm actually picking him as my villain. Um, Ooh, that's for, a good like, one. My villains. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I totally get that vibe because he's just like so sweet and so nice. And yeah, I feel like um, exactly to your point, Taya, like the sweeter they are, like the more they try and seem like a nice guy, yeah. they're really not a nice guy at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and I totally agree with you, Lexi. This guy in particular scares me. <laughs> yeah. Later, later on, when he's like giving those looks like to Vanna, yeah. I mean, yes. yes. You can tell she gets so <laughs> rattled by him, too. Yeah. He's so creepy. Right. You're talking about when she, like, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but when, she, yes. when she's like, we need him to return the money, and he just stares at her, doesn't say a thing the whole time. I'm like, whoa, you are playing this yeah. part. Too well, Stanley. Too well. That's why you have to watch that other clip from Charlie's Angels because he's just as psycho and creepy in that as he really does a good job. Seriously. Oh, very good. He does. He really does. Evil is bad guy. Yes. Yes. Oh, creepy. I'm sure he was a lovely man uh, as Mm -hmm. the man, but. Uh, in this this character is so creepy but yeah the the the, he's very put on it's very um overly charming and he's trying to charm his way out of this and uh she's not having it though she's like you know great let's you know like oh haha funny funny let's move on i have a train to catch kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. and uh and then he realizes it and he's like oh you know because she wants to call the police and he's like oh you know let's let's not get involved them involved you know because they'll want to know why I don't have insurance on my car, which isn't even his, spoiler alert. She ends up very smartly, in hindsight, I don't know, maybe not, uh, taking down his license plate. You're always supposed to Uncle Wiggly's birthday, 115. I still remember it. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are supposed to write it, write it down. Uh, I've done that before too. It, like the person didn't want to do anything. I wrote it down just in case there was something like came up. You never know. Anyways, he's like, I'm Rupert Andretti. Maybe you've heard of my, my cousin. And she's like, <sighs> he goes, I run a demolition derby. I, you know, we think you got some good potential kind of thing. She's like, come on, man. <laughs> I do like her hair there. I think it looks really pretty. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's so much. It's very soft and natural. Yeah. But he does take uh, full responsibility once uh, that she wants to call the police. (laughs) And uh, she's like, well, this is too much. And he's like, he goes, didn't you say you're in a hurry? He goes, look, just take it. I don't want your premium insurance premium to go up. He gets in and leaves and she lets him go. Warning bells are going off for her. I know. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He pulls back. She goes, it's not too bad. (laughs) As you hear metal, like, going. Well, because that car's been through a lot. Oh, my gosh. So it so has. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm confused here. So, immediately after that scene, we see her pulling in, her pulling into the agency. And supposedly it's the next day, according to some other lines in here. I, I But her vehicle... So she got an estimate. She's got her car, but the vehicle is not damaged in the least when you see it pull in. So like, did she get an estimate and it's done or she still needs to get it fixed? Like nobody works that fast. I know. So like, no. I, it's just so weird. Like at least have and a car. It certainly doesn't it. cost a hundred dollars or whatever. I know $125 <laughs> to fix that. Come on. That alone, the park probably costs that much, let alone. There's the, nothing under like $500 or 2000 that you Well, back then are. it would have been less, but still, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I agree. Anyways, it's weird. I just thought it was funny, like, okay, wait a minute. There's like not a, anything wrong with her vehicle there. Yeah, I'm expecting you to pick that up. The car's just I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, so she's uh, she's got different clothes on now. So it's um, the next day, but also there's something else later on. They said something about yesterday or something like that. I, I made sure because I went back because I was like, is this the same day? Although he's in the same clothes. <laughs> so now I'm confused. He's in the same clothes that he was wearing at the con- when they were in the conference room, which was before, mm-hmm. that took place before this. So... I think we have a continuity error. I know this is a rare moment. There's never, yeah, I thought so too, but I think in a a few minutes you'll, well, I'll be able to show you what I'm talking about. They come into the cube girl, Lee and Amanda do. She's wearing all blue now. He's still got that pleathery looking uh, tan jacket on with his tan khaki pants and, and uh, shoes. He's like one monotone color. Yes, it's just boring. <laughs> the last episode, he was all in brown too. It's like, oh, all this brown. Uh, it's just, not his color. No. He's so handsome, but it does not. Yeah, the gray makes him. Oh, the gray and the blue, <laughs> so good. Yeah, so good. Uh, so she comes in uh, and sits down, and she says, and I, she's telling him the story, and I got the estimate on the car, and it's only $125. Well, this guy gave me $300. Now I have $175 of his money. And she goes, I don't think I should keep it. He goes, what are you, bucking for sainthood? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, the guy took full responsibility. She goes, uh-huh. And he goes, and then she put the change down to aggravation. She goes, it really wasn't that big a deal. And I got his, his license, Uncle Wiggly's birthday, 115. So she's trying to get him to add, uh, throw it into the system, the government system, and find out who it is so that she can 
locate the guy and give him his money back. Would you guys do this? Would you go hunt somebody down? Not that you could go into the government system, but like, say you could, you know, easily find out who the person is. Would you do it? Or would you just keep the money? Not my business. They gave it to me. They didn't want to pull the cops into it. I would have still called the cops after he left and still documented it and said like, they just gave me this and went away. So I'm covered. But um, no, I would definitely not try and track them down. That's not my business. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Especially now watching this episode, you'll never do it, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's not that much money. Yeah. And it is a huge aggravation to go get an estimate and get your car fixed. You have have your time. You have to drive over there. Yeah. So I would have just kept it. But I would have been suspicious. And like Lexi, I probably would have recorded it just to be on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if it had any damage to my vehicle, I you'd have to because your insurance company would demand that, you know? Anyway, so she asked him and uh, he's like, well, he goes, me? He goes, you spent more time with that box than I have. She goes, yeah, but it, the internal security just put in a new AP-10 clearance and I haven't made friends with it yet. <laughs> he goes, you realize it's against agency policy to use a data bank for personal business. She goes, I know when you're not supposed to handicap the horses at Saratoga. <laughs> I don't know. What, what was that about? Does that mean that he was handicapping the, the horses? Or, I wasn't sure if she was just saying that like, yeah, you're, you're not supposed to do this either. But or was she saying, yeah, or you're and you're also not supposed to handicap the horses like he was doing using it like improperly. And she was calling him on it. I couldn't tell which which was which. I'm not sure. Yeah, unless he can hack into whatever horse racing with the agency computers. Which, I mean, that, that's like illegal, so I don't, I'm hoping that's not what it was, but who knows. How else would he handicap it? I don't, I don't know. That's, I don't know. I did not even catch any of that, so that is, um, this is I can't even believe I didn't, I, I guess I must have just heard it and then like, ah, I don't, I don't know. That takes effort to, to figure that one out. Yeah. Is there something in the script about it or not? That actually isn't in there about that part. Because I didn't know he was into the horses. So he, in the script, he says, you realize, of course, it's against agency policy to use the data bank for personal business. She goes, oh, I see. He goes, however, occasionally friends do favors for friends. He goes, didn't you tell me you used to write speeches for that congresswoman when Joe was in law school? And then we cut to the next scene. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have that part in there at all. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. So he does in the film version, he does say, didn't you tell me you used to write speeches? And she's like, she finally catches on. She goes, you want me to do your orientation speech? She goes, we can make a deal. (laughs) And he gives her the biggest grin. They must have looked up the information and found out where that car belongs. And uh, so they're down in Arlington and uh, they find the car that she sees the car and she's like, there it is, you know? And, and so they both get out and Lee says something like he's going to be the most surprised man in, in DC or something like that. He has white socks on with that outfit oh, too. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. He's going to be the most su- surprised man in DC. It says now the vehicle clearly has a for sale sign up in it. And uh, Amanda rings the bell and they're just both standing there. And um, a man comes to the door and he's in a robe and he's, obviously just woken up and she's like mr jones and he goes yes she goes bolton jones he goes you got him and she said oh well you must not have been driving the um the car then and he's like you know what are you talking she goes i'm the one uh that hit your car and he goes what (laughs) she's 
hit my car where? And she goes, in front of the hardware store yesterday. He goes, that car has been sitting in the drive for weeks. I'm trying to sell it. So he's not aware. And obviously he's been sleeping. He's been there since 6 a.m. Oh, that's that's where I said, she goes, I hit your car yesterday. You're right. You're right. She did say that. I just, I just clicked in my head. So that was yesterday, even though Lee's still wearing the same clothes he had on before that oh, scene no. took place. So lots of continuity issues. Those are his orientation clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so see where I'm confused on all this? The whole, the timeline does not work. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I haven't. You know, I don't, I didn't loan out my car. And she goes, well, here, I'll show you. And they walk over to the car and she's like, it's right here. And then there's clearly nothing wrong with the vehicle. And he's like, I'm going back to bed. So then he leaves and then Amanda touches where it was and it's wet paint. So obviously someone used the car, got it repaired very quickly, and then brought the car back before the guy was even aware of it. This is how those, these bad guys get caught. They make the simplest mistake, you know, these small little things, you know, he's done all these horrible things, spoiler alert, but, and then he gets caught with, you know, because he borrowed a car. That's crazy. You know what I mean? But but on the other hand, what crazy ass person <laughs> yeah. would track someone down to give them $175? Very true. You know, Good point. I mean, like the baddest of the bad. And so yeah. I'm thinking like a normal person. I mean, I just admitted it. I would never track someone down to give them that. If they gave it to me because they caused me an inconvenience, that's an inconvenience fee. Like that's mine now. <laughs> that's a Lexi inconvenience fee. I don't want to deal with, you know, insurance and cops. Fine. That's my money now. <laughs> Like, That's my now, my money now, bitch. <laughs> yeah, like he would never think that anyone would go through such trouble to track him down. Right. And the chances of her being able to track him down right. are insane. Like, yeah. how, yeah. like without Lee, she never would have been able to look for him. Never. Sure, it, it sure, never sure. So, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, the, it's just I the most like, littlest yeah, things that can. definitely yeah. accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lee's like, you know, so he doesn't want people to know he's what he's loaning his car out for. Just forget about it, you know? And she's just, she's got the stuck in her crawl. She just can't let it go. And uh, he's like, you know, come on, you know, I need help with that speech. And this is, that's work and this isn't. She goes, why don't you go back to, to the agency? I'll just uh, ask the neighbors a few questions. He goes, you're not going to help me with my speech, are you? She goes, I'll go over your notes <laughs> and I'll help you. She goes, bye. <laughs> and then he leaves. So she just is walking the neighborhood. And if you, when they show the neighborhood, it's the street that Amanda's house is on. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it is. That's, you know, well, that is, but they're just, apparently that's Arlington. So <laughs> that one street is Arlington. <laughs> and then there's a cute little old couple that uh, Amanda's talking to. And she's uh, described the gentleman that she's looking for. And the woman uh, says that it might be Millicent's border. So Millicent is one of the neighbors there. The older lady uh, gives her directions on where Millicent's is, which Millicent's is in a different location in the script, I remember it was uh, one street over and on the corner. And now it's just uh, the uh, across the street, you know, like on the other side of where they're at. And uh, two, two doors up, I think, with the big tree. The old man's so cute with his little hat. <laughs> he goes, I thought he was blonde. She goes, nope, that was six months ago. He left. 
His his look reminds me a little bit of Rupert from. Yes. Um, uh, there. Go, no, no. I said the name. Um, hold on. Let me think. I'm not saying it. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, it does. But it, he does. He looks younger than Rupert. But yeah, he does rem- that <laughs> similar look. You know, they might have found him when they were doing the Rupert, looking for Rupert, and they've probably found this guy and thought, oh, we can use him then. <laughs> Maybe, right. <laughs> maybe. Um, so Amanda goes over and the house is really cute. It's, you know, the trees and all that. It's, it's very cute. I'm sure it, this is in California, obviously, but it's really cute. Um, little house. I love all the green. Yeah. And then the little porch. It's really cute. I like how feminine and like, you know, pink her house is too. Like that's clearly a lady's house. Like, mm-hmm. It's so sweet. And, yeah. And oh, he's just so terrible. I her. know. Yeah. He's so horrible to her. <laughs> so sweet and it's funny because they were both in charlie's angels both jenny uh and uh stanley Mm -hmm. uh not on the same one obviously but and uh they were both really bad people (laughs) so jenny's nice on this one now so that's that's a nice uh reprieve (laughs) but um you can hear violin music playing and uh when uh, Amanda goes up, she can hear it too. And then Millicent comes to the door and she's got the violin in her hand. And she seems so nice and welcoming. She is nice. Uh-huh. So sad. I know. So Amanda tells him, uh, tells her that she's looking for this man. And, and one of her neighbors thought that uh, it might be one of her boarders. She goes, I do have a border, Alan. And she goes, oh, she goes, I'm afraid he's not home right now, but I do have a picture inside. She introduces her, says she's Millicent. And, uh, she's uh was playing her music she goes he's so shy about pictures she goes i took it when he was sleeping (laughs) that's not creepy (laughs) and she had it hidden in her violin case and amanda's like yep that's him she goes oh good i'll call and see if he's back yet and you can stay for tea then we're back to the agency and this is this is uh nancy's uh box lightner's uh big debut (laughs) i i guess i don't really see the family resemblance do you guys yeah no I guess not. I'm sure if I saw the parents. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's true. Maybe. Yeah. It's funny, though. Um, she comes rushing in and she's like, uh, is this where they're doing the orientation lecture? He goes, yes, yes, it is. She goes, it, could you, if you have a minute, could you take a look at my initial registration cards? And he's like, he goes, you have to fill out all these? She, he goes, I mean, you, you have to fill all these out. Yeah. She goes, what you have? He goes, what you have? And, and they look fine to me. And then she just starts staring at his shoes. <laughs> He's like, what, what's wrong? She's like, oh, your shoes. My dad has some just like them. Oh. He's dressed like a dad too. Totally he is. Dad. He totally Come is. On. And then he gives the look like, seriously. <laughs> she holds the door open <laughs> for him too. Like he's an old man. <laughs> But in the script, it's she says, your tie. My dad has one just like it. <laughs> Instead of the shoes, it's his tie, which he's not wearing a tie. So obviously they had to change it. Did you guys remember those uh, slide carousels? Oh, my God. Those were awful. Oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they were the old like squ- little squares with the slide in it. Yeah. And, and then, then it turns. Oh, my. Uh, wait, I don't remember. I don't know that. It was like, it was like a PowerPoint presentation. Only there were these there were slides. slides that you had to put together, and they were very difficult to create. You had to send them off. And I actually yeah, I don't remember doing any of that. I did it in grad school. I think. Okay. I think I had it. Okay. And they were in that those circular things, like see those 
the metal, he's holding yeah. two metal round things. Oh, so it's okay. like go in there and then you click around the circle to the different slides. You know what? In my head, I was, I was, I was honestly thinking like, oh, he's got some film. Like he's going to show them something like, you know, maybe some like old footage or something like that. But um, that's good to know. I, I did not know. Uh, that, in my head, that's what I was thinking that they were, that they were just like film things. <laughs> Yeah, you would be carrying a laptop with your PowerPoint presentation in there. Yeah. He's carrying these giant carousels. Oh my gosh. For our wedding, we uh, I actually had a slideshow uh, with set to music. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I got these pictures all made up, like 100 pictures or so. And then you sat there and clicked through them and the music wow. along with the music and stuff because they didn't have videos. You couldn't do yeah. videos like that back then. You know, it was 94. Mm-hmm. So Technology's come along, right? it really has. Now you can, you know, have it on, make a video on your phone, you know, it's so crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll see Nancy in, in a little bit here. So uh, she keeps staring at his shoes. It's so funny. <laughs> maybe this will shock him into getting better outfits and shoes. Yeah, maybe. Come on. <laughs> Especially with white socks. I mean, oh, God, they look awful. Anyways, uh, now we're back to Millicent and Amanda. Now, one thing, so they're having tea, and Amanda calls her Miss McDonald. So is it Millicent McDonald? They love to have alliteration on this show. I swear to gosh, with all their title, with all their names, it's always alliteration. But Amanda does refer to her as, uh, she calls her... Hold on. She calls her something Margaret and then she corrects her. Anyways, when she she says her name wrong, I thought it was like just Kate getting her name wrong because she would forget some of the side characters names. And um, Margaret, yeah, she calls him. She goes, maybe I could just give you the money, Margaret. She goes, Millicent. She goes, Millicent. But in, it's in, actually in the script that she gets it wrong. Like she says Is it wrong. Just right. Kate says it wrong or... I thought it was Kate was just uh, when they filmed it. I thought Kate just like messed up her name, but it's actually in the script that she says her name wrong and gets corrected. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's weird, you know, that they would have that done. But I guess you know it happens. Anyways, so then all of a sudden we hear um, some noise and from behind them, and boy, this is the moment we were talking oh. about earlier. It's so awkward. Super creepy. Super creepy. So she's like, Alan, dear. She goes, this is Amanda King. She tells me you've met already. You naughty boy. If you needed to run some errands, why didn't you ask me? (laughs) So he's, she's, and then Amanda just starts her ramble. You know, she's like, the estimate on the car was only $125. And I thought if your budget is anything, and then she stops because the guy is just staring her down and not saying anything. He looks so shocked. And and she's yeah. like, uh, well, I, I, I just wanted you to have it back, you know, like, here's, here you go. Luckily, she can just talk to a wall because at that point, I she mean, pretty I much was I hit book and like strolled right out and said, like, see you later. Like, forget my face, forget my name. Like, yeah. Like, oh. oh, my gosh. That was yeah. creepy. Yeah. The eyes. Like, if you look into his eyes. Yeah. Like, They're piercing blue, too. Yeah. yeah. So creepy. So Amanda's just like, okay, well, thanks again. And gets the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> and he just keeps staring at her. He just looks completely like just shocked. He doesn't oh. say a thing. He, he doesn't, doesn't say, say anything. anything. But I think he knows that she must have used some of the 
unusual means to find him. So yeah, it's all. He's yeah, it's all going yeah. through his head. Yep, for sure. And now she probably knows that something strange is going on. So. Yeah, yeah, because she kind of gives a look behind her, like, "What the heck was that?" You know, and then she holds out her hand, like, "Okay," and then gets out of there. And she's like, "I didn't mean to bother you." He would have just kept on his act, and he's like, "Oh, thanks for tracking me down. Like, here's your like, I'll I'll accept the money. Like, gotta go now. Have some errands. Like, it wouldn't have been weird, and she wouldn't have like, and she probably still would have recognized him, but it wouldn't have like been so apparent. She wouldn't have been thinking about him after she left Mm -hmm. because it just been a simple interaction. But yeah." He's probably, I mean, he's so used to being the best and baddest that, like, to be tracked down by this woman right, uh, is probably so unsettling to him that he just doesn't even know, he did not even know how to react. He was not prepared for it. But, yeah, definitely the creep factor's at 100 for... for Yes! And then he follows her out to the porch, you know, follows her out as as she's leaving, and he's watching her, and he pulls out his garrote or whatever that... Uh, abbreviated version of it uh so then we're back to the agency we keep flip-flopping back and forth and now we're back in the conference room uh with nancy and bruce and uh the box lighteners and um he's giving them some information on some bad guys and he's like fairly recently and she goes in 1968 69 she goes fairly recently like okay class clown (laughs) you're not making a really good uh first impression here lady you're pissing off the guy twice now. Don't snicker at him. I know, and they're all laughing, and he just—he's not—he's probably not used to one a female not fawning over him, and second, he's—he's he's not used to being made fun of either. You know what I mean? Except by Francine, but you know, by usually people are like clamoring to you know hear stories from him and all that. It's probably foreign to him somewhat, you know. And she calls him old, basically. <laughs> twice twice now he's got (laughs) shoes like her dad and then he's he's uh referring to the 60s as fairly recently so (laughs) oh poor lee his his ego can only take so much and so now he's he's going over these he already doesn't want to do this speech anyways he doesn't want to do this orientation class and so now he's going through and showing them sasha schumer the belgian and then Amanda walks in and she's like, you know, Miles, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he gives her the look like, yeah, I bet you are. You screwed me over. And uh, he shows another Granati, the Italian. And then I'm kind of confused why he, Vanderhoosen, the Dutchman. And uh, I don't know why. Why does he even show Stephen Sully when he's been dead for two years? Why even bring him up? Is it just like a history lesson or... I don't yeah, know. I mean, they don't need to identify him. Maybe learn from his tactics yeah. or something. Yeah, maybe, I guess. It just seems it seems weird. But he's like, undeniably the most lethal, Stephen Sally. And he shows the picture. And Amanda's like, stands straight up. Her spine goes, you know, straight. She's like, he's not dead. I just gave him $175. He's like, what? She's like, and that's mm-hmm. the best line of this whole episode. She says that. <laughs> I just gave him $175. I mean, who says that? <laughs> I just gave that, that dead man some money. <laughs> that was actually funny. Funny way to say it. Yeah. Well, now they're um, on their way. Lee's 
you know, obviously if this was season one, he would have been like, Amanda, the guy's dead. Just don't worry about it. And then left it alone. Right. But now season three, he's like, oh, crap. She probably founded this guy and he's probably alive now. He like he takes more. He's takes more credence in what she's saying now. So she's like, so he shaved his beard. She goes, I know that's him. She goes, he goes, then you're not positive. She goes, I'm positive about the eyes. They were Sully's. And now they're heading back towards Manta's house. He said, Amanda, he was killed. And she goes, they never recovered the body. Which, I'm sorry, if you've never, if you didn't recover the body. Mm-hmm. Especially in this business, yeah, if you don't have the body, you don't have any proof. Exactly. Like, you can't assume anything. Yeah. I would have never declared dead being the agency. Right. Especially a slick, you know, if he's so lethal like that, of course he's going to be prepared yeah. for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Now we're at uh, Millicent's house and Millicent seems to be missing. I, I do hope she's just in the kitchen making some tea. <laughs> uh, poor Millicent. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, and so uh, Sally has, uh, is opening up her violin case and he finds the picture in there. And he takes the picture with him. So Amanda uh, and Lee pull up to the house and he hears them. And so Lee then goes uh, around back to the apartment above the garage and Amanda goes inside. I don't know why they split up. That wasn't really smart. He should know better than that. So should she for that matter. And then he hears Amanda calling to him. And now Sally's just around the door. I mean, he's just on the other side of the door when Amanda was in there by herself and he had his grot thing and he was about to, you know, she was about to meet the same fate that Millicent did. And so Amanda calls to Lee and he comes rushing in and she goes over by the behind the couch. And so he goes over there and, and Millicent's uh, been killed. In the worst possible way. They broke her pearls. <laughs> I would not want to be strangled with that thing. No, my God. Oh, can you imagine? And, and she's betrayed by the guy that she opened her home to and that she like, you know, from yeah. her diary. It sounds like she liked him, you know, like. Yep, exactly. Cool. Men preying on unsuspecting women, terrible. Well, you know, and that's exactly right. I mean, a good point on that. He, that man went and he knew like to have, he probably purposely looked for somebody who, a woman that was, you know, had a board or, you know, had a, an apartment like that so he could get it from a woman and, you know, right. probably a lonely yeah. woman. You know what I mean? He like preyed on her, Definitely. which is and he was probably super, super, super charming. Like he was trying to be with Amanda, you know, and she probably yeah. fell for it because she's probably lonely. She was probably lonely, you know? Yeah. Which is why it's forbidding that a woman takes it down in the end. Amanda. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And everywhere. Exactly. So Lee comes over to Amanda and then they put their arms around each other. It's kind of a, a sweet moment too, you yeah. know, um, that they're taking comfort in each other, which is, which is nice. And now we're back at the agency and uh, Lee and Amanda are trying to get Billy to understand that it's Sally and Billy's having none of it. He's like, you know, he's dead. He's gone. It's like, come on, man. He's like, they keep tabs on him. They're all saying he's dead. She's like, no, sir. He goes, what about the strangulation marks on the McDonald woman's neck? They could have been done by, this is one I, I need Lex for. Thing, I'm talking about the French. La touche de la vouve. La touche de la vouve. Vouve? I, I, that, um, I don't know. You know, I don't know that one. Let me turn the sound on real quick. I think it's I'm la vouve, but la vouve? La, la touche de la vouve. And then he says, 
the widow's touch. And Amanda kind of shivers, right? In the script, he says, he explains what it is. He goes, the French, French resistance came up with it in the war. A, a wire noose with a handle. Easy to conceal. And all you need is one free hand for la touche de la veuve. And Amanda then says, the widow's touch. Since when does Amanda speak French? <laughs> yeah they corrected it but it was like wait a minute (laughs) she speaks french all of a sudden (laughs) and she says oh what's that a grot and he goes he goes no this is uh, a one-handed uh it's easy to conceal all you need is one free hand and then he demonstrates it on her (laughs) oh that's creepy (laughs) oh and it was sully's trademark and she says still is (laughs) He goes, the pathology report is not conclusive. It could have been anything. She goes, sorry, sir. He goes, all right, did you get any of the evidence the police found in Sully's room? He goes, they pressured the D.C. police and they, he pulls out this little box and all it has in it, uh, they found one thumbtack, two rubber bands, uh, a burnt out light bulb and a broken pencil lead. And there's no, no fingerprints. They've been sanded off. Nobody sands off their fingerprints unless they're in, and. Lee gives him a look like, see, that's the guy. And he goes, he goes, I know, I know. No sanded prints, no clothes, no personal effects. Damn suspicious. <laughs> and he goes, oh, and we found this uh, under the uh, woman's uh, closet, loose board under the uh, woman's closet. And uh, it's, it's her diary. And uh, why, w- if she lives alone, why would she need, feel the need to hide it? I wonder. A, a diary, okay, here's the thing. Her diary contained a lot of information about this guy. And if she was, like, even remotely interested in him, mm-hmm. she would want to keep it hidden, I think. Like, I don't know. But and, and she if she had it in her room. in and out all the time, like. I guess. And she knows he's gliding. Like, he's jumpy and doesn't like his picture taken. And yeah. so, yeah, she probably would have hide it. Point, Jen. That's a good point, too. Yeah, the fact that she already knew that he was a little squirrely, like. Um, but she, I mean, she, hid his, she hid his picture in her violin case. And yeah, she probably would have put her by her, her diary in that too if it would have fit. Um, but I guess she just had a loose floorboard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. It would have probably scared him away. If you yeah. Found it. She yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because she loved that. him. I think she liked him. Well. Amanda says, Millicent showed me the picture of Sally. She goes, well, of the man sleeping. <laughs> she goes, did they find that? He goes, uh, Lee says, no, they, he probably took it with him. Amanda then says, and dead men leave no trails. But then in the script, Amanda says, dead men tell no tales. And Lee then says, and leave no trails. <laughs> oh, man. That's actually, that's actually, well, it makes more sense. But <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it's like. The original phrasing is about tales <laughs> yeah he goes you guys see what you guys can come come up with uh on the on the uh on this case and and uh they go to both get up to leave and they almost crash into each other <laughs> it kind of reminded me of uh the wrong uh of wrong number when they but that was when they were mad at each other <laughs> billy's face is hilarious i know he's like like god, like, god you <laughs> clowns let's get going here <laughs> So uh, Lee comes in a little bit later and Amanda's been working on the computer and she's um, done search searches. She can, So for the past five years, uh, Sally has not applied for a job that would we require a background check um, or fingerprinting. And she, and she says, even if he, if he even has fingerprints at this point, he goes, so he's either dead 
or he's acting exactly like what he is, a real pro. And so he's been doing interagency uh, cross-referencing and, and can't find anything. And then Amanda says, well, don't forget we have uh, Millicent's diary. And he goes, yeah, Crypto said they couldn't find anything. And she goes, yeah, do you mind if I take a look? And he goes, oh, would you? And she's like, yeah. In the script, he actually has gone through it himself. Um, he Lee shoves the diary across the desk to her. He goes, nothing unless you want to know what he likes on his hamburgers or his favorite brand of shaving cream. She doesn't say what uh, last name he was using, where he worked, or anything else that might give us a place to start. I even sent a copy down to the boys in crypto. They thought it was a joke. If we had six months and nothing better to do... And then Amanda's reading the diary with some interest. She goes, let me read through it. He goes, be my guest. I'm going to run over to the bureau and check check for internet international cross-reference. You never know. And then Amanda's nose is already buried in the book, in the diary. Why would they think that Millicent would write in code in her diary? She's just a normal Exactly. Well, I, mean, I guess they might, they have to be careful. She, they could, she could have been a, an accomplice of his or, you know what I mean? They don't know. So I guess they have to rule that out maybe. Yeah. They just seem shocked. Like, you know, it's a joke. Well, yeah. She wasn't writing like a crypto person. Exactly. She's just writing down her stuff. Every yeah. Day. She's a, she's a, you know, a, a suburban lady, you know. Little do they know they need an Amanda interpreter, not crypto. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's kind of funny because because of the script where, uh, you know, he supposedly read through it. Uh, she she when he comes in later and says, you know, what's all this when she's going with the map? He goes clues from Millicent's diary. And he says something I missed amid the ladies fantasies. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, oh, Lord. So, yeah, him him reading it. He didn't find anything. But then Amanda did. But this, in the film version, uh, he doesn't actually go through it at all. It's just uh, uh, crypto, not finding anything, and then her going through it. Maybe there's details on what Millicent really wanted to do with uh, yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it gets a little X-rated. <laughs> I took his hand and led him to my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Millicent's writing her own fanfic. Ringer. <laughs> That's too funny. So Lee leaves. He's got another ID scan. He says, and you never know. She's, she just tells him, see you later. So now we're over at the Regency Hotel. And we see um, a maintenance guy who looks an awful lot like Sully. <laughs> so he's working in maintenance. He's got his uniform on. And he's got a duffel bag. And now he's opening up a cabinet with a bunch of light bulbs in it. So obviously he's got some interest, which remember, Amanda has that uh, burnout light bulb that he had brought home, uh, most likely. Mm-hmm. We find out it was uh, brought home because it doesn't fit in anything over at a Millicent's house. And um, he's putting some light bulbs he brought in on, in the case and then shuts the cabinet back up and then takes off with the uh, other box of light bulbs. And then we're inside the hotel area then in the lobby i was actually in this room after they redid it so they redid this room they demoed it and i think that's why they let him blow it up (laughs) because they were demoing it anyways yeah and uh so i was standing in where it was before but it was totally new walls and all that this is um remember the cumberland yeah the big one not the one from season uh one but the big one uh, from Triumvirate. 
Uh, that's this hotel. They've redone that thing, and it is absolutely stunning now. So they redid this whole uh, this whole room here. Anyways, so Francine's running the show, and she's got a big old chip on her shoulder, like always. <laughs> and uh, she's working with the the head guy there, Mister Van Cleef, and uh, they're just getting snarky at each other. Uh, he needs them to the agency to kind of get out of his way so he can do his thing. You know, he's trying to get things cleaned and and prepped and ready. And uh, Francine's making sure that they'll all be alive afterwards. She has this whole spiel that she goes through like, I'm a little less concerned about the crystals of your chandeliers than I am about the security problem. I've been doing parties in Washington for 20 years. I understand about security, but this is excessive. Excuse me, Mr. Uh, Van Cleef. Van Cleef. Whatever. Eighteen months ago, a terrorist group in Beirut replaced the window of a hotel skylight with a transparent explosive that crashed through the ceiling, killing 54 people. Yes, but... Tomorrow night, in this very room, there will be senators, ambassadors, congressmen, and the vice president of the United States. Now, my job is to make sure that they're still around to notice the fingerprints after the reception. Understood? Of course. Good. Salih's literally a few feet away from Francine at that moment. He's just in there, you know, doing maintenance work and such. And now we're back. It's in the evening. Amanda's uh, at the map and she's got a bunch of pins all over the place. So she's done a lot of work on that, on that uh, diary. She's found a lot of clues out of it. So chalk one up to Amanda King, zero for crypto. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Lee says, what's all this? She says, well, I'm just storing some clues from Millicent's diary. He goes, oh, that's from the diary? She goes, well, these red pins mark the old bus route. Millicent said that Alan took the bus to work every evening and uh, on the old line is the only one. And the old line is the only one that goes through there. And he's like, he's making assumptions. She's like, yeah, but, and she keeps knocking him down. Like, yeah, but that would mean he has to do a transfer. But she says it only takes him 15 minutes to get home. (laughs) Boy, Millicent's diary sounds really boring. Yeah. I don't think it's fanfic. If it is, it's not very good fanfic. <laughs> She's trying to figure a lot of things out there. Yeah. Where is he going? What is he doing? Yeah, no doubt. She's nosy. I mean, you know what, though? It's like, you know, if you have, Lexi, you know, we were just talking about this with your neighbor. When they don't have anything else going on in their life, and that's that's what their life revolves around, it's like the yeah. most important thing all in their people. life to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So they want to know, you know, like all the details of it, I guess. Anyways, she's making a lot of progress, and um, he's like, if Millicent's accurate, she's like, right. And then uh, she's like, let me read you a couple of things. December 12th, he says it's not necessary, but I love pressing Alan's work uniforms. He goes, work uniforms. He goes, she goes, and then he says, he must have noticed his shoes today. He wore them home this morning, soaking wet, and I put them on, he put them on clean and shiny today. So they're, they're, they're able to kind of make some um, inferences on things. And, and, you know, he could be anything from a postman to a longshoreman, Lee says. And she's like, no, he can't be a government employee. And that the old line doesn't uh, go anywhere near the water. He's like, a waiter? She's like, yeah, but if it was a waiter, she probably would have mentioned pressing his shirts. So she thinks, very smartly, that it's probably a blue-collar worker, maintenance or something like that, which she totally hits right on the head. He goes, we just don't have the details. She goes, I think we might. And then she reads some more that he he got her chocolates and then she found a candy store in the way. And then he's too wonderful. How did he know I love Schubert? So he's a music lover. Candy and music. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's not very much. She goes, I know. 
she, she's excited. She thinks she can get some more stuff on this. And then she she mentions that she thinks that she was in love with him, which is sad because then he goes and kills her. Yeah. And unfortunately, she wouldn't have been someone he would ever be interested right. in either. Nope. Yeah. He was just buttering her up with all those Exactly. Presents. Exactly. Keep her happy, right? Yep. Like exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Amanda's like, well, I think if I keep working on it, and he's like, no, without a national security angle to hang our hat on, we can't stay involved. He goes, Billy wants the police to handle it. I know, right? (laughs) So now we're on the next day, uh, and it looks like the dead of winter again. (laughs) They keep doing this. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, Amanda gets is now getting on uh, a city bus. And she has the picture of him sleeping, and she shows it to the bus driver. <laughs> is that the It is. It is. I gotta rewind and look at it. Yeah. I thought it was like an agency picture, because now they know who he is. That one, I'm almost positive it's a sleeping one. Okay. But maybe I'm wrong. They do show it later when, uh, it's it's the same one they're holding later, and it's it's the um, one when they're in the agency, and she, or in the, um hotel and they show it to van cleef hmm. so she's on the bus and immediately she she starts seeing these places that millicent's mentioning and this one is a philly hoagie place and so she has the bus driver stop right away and she jumps off and, and goes and talks to the to the store owner there and he she shows him the picture and he recognizes the guy right away and he tells her that you know he comes in every morning and orders it uh you know and and so we're I mean, this is super early in the morning, supposedly. And uh, he says, I come on at six and this guy comes in almost every morning and orders a Philly hoagie with extra onions Ugh. at 7 a.m. So it's not even seven, it's not even 7 a.m. yet. And she's already out there. So I guess she's doing it before work, which they can't complain too much. She's not like charging the agency, probably. Right. She then tells the guy, hey, if you see him, don't tell him I'm, I'm here. I want to surprise him. He's an old friend. Oh, man. I don't think so. Oh, now Lee's got a new coat on. Thank goodness he changed his clothes. Yes. Amanda's yeah, calling him. So he's there early then, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she calls him uh, from a, I was going to say from a cell phone, <laughs> from a phone, <laughs> phone, uh, phone booth pay and phone. <laughs> from a pay phone and uh, tells him uh, that she thinks she found Sally and uh she goes i haven't seen him yet but i think i'm about to and so she tells him to get over there right away and he's like okay and he goes i'll be there in 10 and he goes amanda don't follow him whatever you do <laughs> so what does amanda hear i think amanda heard whatever you do follow him <laughs> i think she just selective hearing or or what but they're at the 2000 block of uh, connecticut avenue uh, she goes i'm across the street from an all-night sandwich shop there are a couple of tables in front of it he goes okay i've got it he goes, you stay out of sight. Oh, and Amanda, if it is Sully, he shows up. Don't follow him. You hear me? She goes, I wouldn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would. You've already thought of it, my dear. That's why he has to tell you explicitly not to do it. <laughs> she's across the street and she's keeping an eye on things uh, with her menu and everything. And then she looks and he's not there and she looks again and then she sees him uh, talking with the storekeeper. Now the storekeeper must have told her, him that there was somebody looking for him. Yeah. Like, didn't idea. she explicitly tell? Nobody she, listens to anybody's instructions in the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it gets him killed. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, no doubt. You're right. It does. So he's walking. He's getting out of there. And she, what does she do? Don't follow him. So she follows him. (laughs) She comes around the corner and she's kind of lost him. So then she realizes like, oh, all right. So then she goes back to the store. Except now she's got a tail. Yep, there he is. Oh, no. And he has some ugly gray shoes on, too. Yeah, he's got some cheesy ones. Oof. I don't understand. If she was going to back to the store, why is she down now on the streets by the park? I don't understand. Wouldn't she wait for Lee to get there? Maybe she's walking home. I know, but she, he was going to be there in a few minutes, so I'm really confused on that. I don't understand why she's, you know, is she still looking for him or... She's not following directions. No, not at all. And now he's following her and she's going in this secluded area, this park. It's like, lady, what are you? It's like you're watching a bad horror movie. Like, don't go in the closet. (laughs) That's where the murderer is. (laughs) And then now Lee's caught up to the uh, store owner and and he says, yeah, last I saw he was following her. And now is it raining at this park now? All of a sudden it was a beautiful day and now it's like all the ground's all wet. I thought it was sprinklers, but... Do you? Okay. Because, like, everything's wet on that whole thing. It's not, like, little wet yeah. areas. It's Everything's wet on it. It does look like it rained. Yeah. And now we see Salih in the bushes. He's definitely following her. And thank goodness Lee's, uh, you know, hot on their trail. Oh, in the script, when she calls, he's not at the office. He's in his bedroom. She goes, Lee, it's me. I found Salih. And he's like, are you sure? And, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, he was in his room, in his bedroom, which makes sense because it was so damn early in the morning. He's definitely doesn't get into the office very much, you know? Yeah. So Salih, he's getting off work, right? And he's heading home. And that's why he's getting a sandwich. Right. Because from the night shift, right. he's picking up a hoagie sandwich on his way home. So that makes sense for him. Yeah, it's dinner time um, for him in his head. Right. At first I thought, God, he's up early getting up. <laughs> yeah because the guy van cleef says he works the night shift yeah so he's just getting off work so it's like at the end of the yeah. day for him now in the script it's definitely different it's definitely creepier for sure so this is on the park exterior salih walks stealthily through the grass alert listening he knows she's there he can feel her he stops behind a tree and waits salih produces his latouche de la vouve Oh, I hate having to say that. Amanda. Now we're on Amanda, who's crouched behind some bushes, holding her breath. Salih approaches. Amanda looks behind her and sees Salih's wire noose swinging toward her. She ducks her head. Salih misses. He crouches over her prone form. Suddenly, we hear Lee's voice off screen. Amanda. And then another exterior, another street where we see Amanda moments before Lee's just run from the alley. He looks up and down the street, sees the park and runs across the street toward it. At the edge of the park, he stops and calls again and says her name, Amanda. Slight sound behind another hedge. And we see Salih running off toward another street. Lee gives chase. A few more people walk by now as Salih runs from behind the park shrubbery. He looks around. Salih's point of view. A bus is stopped at a nearby corner. With Salih, Salih makes a dash for the bus as Lee emerges from the bushes. He raises his gun to fire. Lee's point of view. Salih has boarded the bus, which moves out. Then back on the street, Lee's frustrated and he says, damn. He returns to the park. He walks toward a hedge, annoyed. Amanda, he's gone. You can come out. He rounds the hedge and stares at the ground in shock and disbelief. 
Amanda, who lies at his feet, very still, hands still covering her head. Jeez. I know. And then that that ends. So, you know, they go they cut to commercial then. So then, you know, ah! Okay, so then Lee kneels by Amanda's prone form. She looks up and relief floods his face. Lee? Sully was here. He was after me. He almost got that thing around my neck. Lee cradles her and helps her to her feet. Are you all right? I'm not sure. I think so. A little shaky, maybe. I think we better have the doctor check check you out. I'm fine, really. He helps her up and looks at her, more scared than he cares to admit. Lee covers his feelings with irritation. They begin to walk out of the park. Lee says, continuing, Amanda, what was that last thing I told you when we, you phoned me half an hour ago? And Amanda says, not to follow Sully, but Lee, he was right there. He interrupts. He'd, he'd take you out as quick as he'd swat a fly. There's notes now. This is pretty hard stuff for both of them. Lee stops walking. Amanda says, I'm really very sorry. It's just that when you took, took me home last night, which that didn't happen, I couldn't get Millicent off my mind. After I read her diary, she, she wasn't a stranger anymore. She was just a kind, sensitive, lonely lady. And I kept thinking, suppose I hadn't found Sally yesterday. What if I'd left it alone? Then we'd be... Then she'd be alive right now, playing her violin and ironing Alan's work shirts. And she's staring at the ground. Lee moves to comfort her. These are feelings he understands. He takes her hands. Hey, look at me. She does. You are not responsible for Millicent McDonald's death. I don't know what Sully's game is, but I do know he was using Millicent. And believe me, when he finished with her, he wouldn't have just walked away. If you hadn't pushed this thing, we wouldn't know Sully's alive and planning something. He hugs her for reassurance and they continue. That's pretty that's deep. Nice. That's kind of intense for that, for the I show. Know that, so seen that, yeah, it's yeah. really intense for sure. You know? Because mm-hmm. it also speaks to her. What happens when she doesn't listen? I know, <laughs> right? It's pretty serious. You know, Very true. Um, murder somebody, but... And it could be her. Yeah. So yeah. She should have stayed put. Yep. For yeah. sure. Plus, I always like a little like more angst. Scene, yeah, yeah, a little more angst and stuff. Her. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what we got actually get filmed is uh, that Sally is still stalking her, but that uh, he sees her get. And this is kind of cute. Uh, he sees uh, her walking toward a building, and then her arm gets pulled over. Lee's grabbed her and then they both look out to see uh, if he's still following him. And then he takes off because he's he sees that there's somebody there. And so now Lee's chasing after him with his gun uh, and they go through the park and then bad timing for Lee. uh, A bus pulls up and he takes off. But at least now Lee can see him clearly sees that it's Sully. He looks right at him. So that's a good thing, I guess. Now it's not just Amanda's say on it, although it seems to be enough. Oh, the little uh, lady with the yellow shirt and white skirt just walked by the agency again. <laughs> I think Rupert was playing horseshoes in the park, too. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that cute? <laughs> I noticed that, too. And in the script, they're walking out of the park. She goes, what are you going to do? And he says, check along the D bus route. The proprietor of that sandwich shop was pretty observant. Maybe he can tell us something on a beat. Then he says, no, you can't go with me. You don't give men like Sully another shot at killing her, you know? Definitely not. Yeah, exactly. So he does end up going back to that sub shop. Um, Unfortunately, uh, he's taking care of uh, that gentleman for him. So they're in the office. They're in the the Q Bureau. 
and uh, they're trying to figure out um, what type of events could be going on uh, around the certain sectors there. And uh, they're, they're doing um, sector three, public and private events, security risks, code blue and above. And she says six today, three tomorrow. He's and 11 the day after. He's like, oh, that's what I was afraid of. And uh, there's a dozen embassies around there. And, you know, it could be anywhere. His hotels and museums. And then he's going to go, he tells her that he's going to go down along the bus route and talk to that proprietor of the sub shop. And uh, he wants her to keep going on the diary. And so apparently now they have an angle to hang their hat on, uh, unlike before. So thanks to Amanda. So she is reading through the diary and she finds uh, that um, some information about electricity. He's very fascinated uh, by lights, uh, electricity. And then she pulls out that light bulb and you know, a light bulb moment happens. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, she heads, she heads over to the, uh, Millicent's house. She, she does leave a note for, for Lee though, which is nice, but she doesn't take the diary with her. So I guess she's already pulled all the information out of the diary that she needed. I don't know. Has a great photographic memory. There you go. Does. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Uh, so now Lee pulls up to the sub shop, but now there's all kinds of police, a coroner. This is not look well, uh, look good here. Poor guy. Yeah. Just mm. trying to make some hoagies, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to make some hoagies, man. <laughs> uh, Lee comes up and talks to this Lieutenant Trisk and, uh, he's like, let me guess. Lee goes, let me guess. There's money in the register, right? And he's like, he goes, yeah, how'd you know? He goes, I think you'll find this uh, ties in uh, with uh, a homicide in yes, uh, yesterday in Arlington. Same M.O. He goes, tell me, Mr. Stetson, what's the agency's interest in this? <laughs> and then he shows him a picture of Stephen Sully. We're looking for a guy, Stephen Sully. He's a terrorist. We, we, we thought he was dead. He goes, not this guy. He goes, no, this guy is dead. <laughs> Very observantly. That poor sub guy. He's so nice. I know. He was just trying to be helpful, just like Millicent. Okay. This guy's body count's ridiculous. He's horrible. Uh, the the thousand dollar or not thousand dollar the thousand person body count seems more realistic with how I guess so. <laughs> yeah. You got to wonder how many other people, you know, innocent people yeah. like that have been killed by this yeah. guy. I'm actually surprised he didn't go after Amanda more. Um, well, in the script, he did. He he had his noose yeah. around her neck practically. You know. Uh, but he didn't, like, try to find her. I yeah. he tried to take yeah. her out. Well, he was probably laser-focused on getting this, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, uh, plan put in action. And he probably figured she's just somebody, you know, just kind of a, a nothing nothing to worry about too much. Although, wrong on his part, but... For MKC's finest awards, for my last vile villain of season three, I am nominating uh, Stephen Sully. Think, aside from being creepy as all get out, he is just so cold-blooded. Um, he killed Millicent. He's killed his um, standard shot dude hookup kind of guy. Um, and he just plans to kill dozens more via the bomb he's working on. For me, his motives and his backstory... They neither were just really that well developed. So he just seems like a, a really like evil, vile guy with without reasoning. Not that a bad 
a sad backstory justifies it, but he just needs to do it because why not? Like, it doesn't even really go into detail that he's, like, doing it for, like, a bunch of money or something because he's supposedly dead. So he's just, like, intermittently doing this. And um, anyway, I, he's my second file villain for season three. <laughs> Very nice submission. I, I, like, second that nomination. I third I, it. I third it. That, yeah, he's horrible. Thanks. He's, he's awful. He's awful. Yeah. Was it, isn't he, like, getting revenge? Is that what he's doing here? Yes. I think. Yeah. At the end, they tell us yeah. that it's revenge. Um yeah, and notoriety. Yeah. He wants revenge and notoriety. It's kind of a nice yeah. combo for him. Yeah. But I think he would just do it just for fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. He seems to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. So now we're back at the Hotel Monroe, and now he's there. He's brought back, uh, he's, he's brought back a new set of lights. I'm sure he's doctored these up, and uh, he's replaced them with these doctored ones. And now uh, he's put them away. Now we're back at Millicent's and Amanda's there and she's doing some checking on things. And then we hear Lee come in and he's, he goes, you know, you are going to set a new record for disobeying orders. <laughs> you told, she goes, you told me to stay out of sector three. This is sector seven. And you've got an agent outside. and couldn't be safer. <laughs> <laughs> so logical. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's not like he's the guy's going to go back there. There's nothing for him there. You know, Millicent's no. not there. He's left nothing to, to be found, right? So, but uh, she explains to Lee that Sally's got a hobby uh, of electricity. And and uh, he's like, okay. She goes, so I brought that light bulb that from Mr. Melrose, uh, and it doesn't fit any of the lamps in the house. He goes, yeah, the light bulb's burned out. She goes, that's right. He goes, he carried it home from work. She goes, uh-huh. He goes, there are about 100 places in D.C. where he could have changed a bolt like that. She goes, yeah. He goes, now if we could just narrow down the possible location. So he's finally clicking to see, like, okay, I see where your logic is going with this. So then she explains that she also found another clue with the, the Russell music. And um, he goes, that's across the street from the Hotel Monroe. He goes, Francine's coordinating a diplomatic event there. She says the vice president's going to be there. And so now we see the the vet crossing the the Potomac and heading back to the Hotel Monroe or heading to the Hotel Monroe and Stully's still there he's getting the light bulbs that he's uh set up and he is getting them so that he can they can be used uh, and replaced and he doesn't even have to do it he just sets everything up there for them sneaky little bastard so now we have dogs going through. I mean, they, they're smelling, you know, the dogs are smelling, which is, this is pretty brilliant. He puts them in the light bulbs. The dogs are not going to be able to smell that, I, I would think. It's way, I mean, it's way, they have to get scaffolding out there to get the bulbs out there. So there's no way those dogs are going to be able to smell that high up there, I would think. I don't know, maybe they can, but I don't think so. Hmm. I would think so. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah, who knows? Lee and Amanda are standing there, and she, and they've given Francine the picture, and, and uh, Van Cleef comes over, and he's like, we're having a travesty, you know, everything's dramatic with him. And she's like, Mr. Van Cleef, we have something bigger going on. And you're like, back off. And she's like, no, Francine, maybe Mr. Van Cleef can help us. She goes, you know, show him the picture. And she's like, like, he's not going to see him, know who he is either, man. You know, it's that attitude of, come on. And he's like, yes, I've seen him. Okay, so the problem is, she's like, they're all like, wait, what? <laughs> and she's like, he 
is not on the list. You gave me everybody. He goes, he's not an employee of the of the hotel. He's a you know contractor. And they're all like, oh geez, like why wouldn't you have them give the contractors too? Right. He's so snarky about it. He's just like yes, and then moves on. Yeah. I think that he asked why, like a picture, why is a picture. So important that you want to see this guy. <laughs> and then Francine, I mean, all Francine's worried about is she. It's going to come back on her. She's like, I saw all the employees, no matter how insignificant. <laughs> <laughs> She's gotta cover her. No, it's why he's insignificant. <laughs> I know exactly. Francine. Exactly. And then he explains he's it's a contract deal. He's on the night crew. If you want to know more, ask plant plant maintenance. I'm banquets. She goes, This couldn't be Amanda goes, this couldn't be more important. Could you tell us, is there any chance he could be here now? He's like, I said he's on the night crew. Starts at 7:30. She goes, Is there a chance? He goes, Well, he could be, but not on the clock. It's like they don't care if he's on the clock, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So they're going to now go find, uh, see if there's a locker that he has. And then Amanda's supposed to go uh, follow up with, with maintenance to see uh, if they can find him. Van Cleef just seems so put out by all this. <laughs> and, uh, and they look at his locker and of course it's completely empty and there's no prints, you know, there's no prints I'm sure. Uh, but Ama Francine's saying, um, she's like, I have a tight, Blanket on this. There's nothing that can happen. And he's like, uh-huh. And then and they say that, and he's like standing a few feet from them. And he's watching them leave. So he goes over to the lighting and turns up the dial so that they um, the, the, the lights will pop and have to be, re they'll blow out. It'll be too much for the charge for them. And they'll blow out so that uh, they get replaced. It's, it's a long, I mean, it's definitely, he's in it for the long haul, man. Uh, for sure. Yeah, he's playing the long game. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Which we said, those ones that... Long game. Yeah, those long game people. <laughs> they are evil. Them. Seriously, long game players are seriously evil. They yeah. are. I've met a few in my life. Ugh. This hotel's really pretty, the outside of it, whatever, whatever yeah. the building is itself. People are starting to arrive, and they're still dealing with trying to find Sali. You would think they would just shut the thing down at this point, but... Yellow yeah. and white flowers all over the place. Oh, yeah. So Billy's there now at this point, and uh, she's like, I've been on this for weeks, and we've covered all our bases. We are secure. He goes, secure? The guy was here. He's been here for the last three months. So she says he's gone. His, uh, he's gone, and his, his card's gone. Uh, they don't know where he is. Any proof that he was in the hotel today? She goes, sir, he was a few blocks away this morning, and they know he's not on the floor uh, above them or below them or on the floor that, that they're on. And then the lights start getting brighter because he's dialing that up and then they pop and so van cleve comes over he said we got another emergency a dozen more light bulbs and the chandelier just blew he says it's a power surge i suspect it's a power company they've been driving us crazy for months she's like mr van cleve you will just have to try to get through this crisis without me <laughs> and he explains that no one's been cleared to come into the ballroom she goes well then you'll have to do it yourself so then they he goes and gets the lights the light bulbs and uh, they bring over the scaffolding so they can replace it. So this is playing right into Sally's uh, thing here. Amanda doesn't put the connection together yet because they have to get the light bulbs in place first before they can. I, I was thinking logically like, why wouldn't she say something? But she hasn't put it all together yet. And they need her. They need those light bulbs in, in place because at this point they're, they're not a danger to anybody in that box. So the bulbs are getting replaced and everything's set. Guests are arriving 
and they're only about 25 minutes behind schedule, Francine says. So Amanda grabs one of the light bulbs and she sees that it's the same light bulb. And then it finally clicks in her head and she's like, Lee. And he comes over and she's like, is it possible to make a bomb out of a light bulb? And then he looks up and he's like, oh, like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's like, Francine, mm-hmm. the bulbs. Did you check the bulbs? She's like, yes, the bulbs, the sockets, the wiring, the fixtures, the crystals. He goes, she says, what about those new ones they just put in? She goes, well, I checked all the spares yesterday. <laughs> and then Lee's like, yeah, if that's uh, a bomb, it's going to cut everybody to shreds in here. So then Billy immediately clears the whole room and then tells Amanda to get out to the to the van, the command center van. And she's out of there. She takes off. So now Celie's setting up the bomb to go off in, in uh, five minutes. I guess just to get in, to get in and uh, get enough time to get out of the building, probably. And then Lee comes down, and then they have a uh, chase scene um, and uh, a, a fight scene first off. And then Lee loses his gun, and Salih then finds it and takes off with it. You can tell he's not really a gun person. You know, his his is more explosions. I I kind of gathered from this. And up close and personal. Um, yes. Touch de la Bouve, uh, yes. murder. Yeah. <laughs> Body. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Good point. So he gets up high and then pounces on Lee. Lee loses his gun. Thank God Lee grabs that pipe because he was able to to pull that wire away from his neck before he was able to uh, kill him with it. Mm-hmm. And then he knocks out uh, Lee and then takes off with his gun. And then Lee quickly gets up and chases after him. Uh, and they're kind of underneath the building uh, in kind of the basement area, it seems. Lots of pipes and lots of, uh, you know, concrete. And then Lee comes around the corner and Sully shoots right at him, misses him, of course. And uh, then he runs out of the exit. So he's heading back upstairs to the main ballroom and Lee's hot on his trail. Now, this scene right when he's going up the stairs at like 4137 area, this is the same hotel that they used in the triumvirate. So when Francine's getting chased um, by, uh, um, Francine and Amanda are getting chased by uh, Ren Jeppard, uh, mm-hmm. it's the same hotel area there. Hmm. Somebody got in uh, Sully's way and he just hit him over the head with the gun, man. <laughs> cocked him and so he's running and he knocks over uh, Van Cleef and his punch bowl <laughs> and then Lee follows after him uh, so Salih grabs Francine and he drags her into the ballroom why would he go into the ballroom if he knows in a minute or so it's going to blow I think that they can't they, they can't follow him they're not going to follow him and risk it so he's going to try and exit out the door and he's like, they're not going to follow right after him through it, yeah. I guess. I guess he's not thinking that there are agents, like, surrounding it. But that's his, like, best chance, I think, to get away. Because yeah. they're, they, they're not going to go right in after him. Yeah. Well, he didn't have many choices. Mm-hmm. No, so. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Billy and Lee are seeing that the lights are starting to get brighter and brighter. And so they know it's about to blow. And so Lee opens the door and yells to Francine to get down. She knocks the gun out of his hand and then dives immediately underneath the table. Thank goodness. And then the chandelier blows up and shreds everywhere, uh, leaving quite a mess in its wake for sure. And then as soon as the dust clears, they run in to, to find Francine. 
and they they're able to pull her out but it definitely has made quite the the mess there she looks yeah. her hair is all mussed up and everything she looks a little uh flustered yeah that was a pretty good explosion scene yeah it was it really mm -hmm. was it's quite large <laughs> well i think that's because they let them do that in there i think they were able to be a little more forceful destructive yeah, destru <laughs> yeah destructive uh then somebody makes a comment uh he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. And so finally he, he is actually gone. And then Van Cleef comes out and goes, disaster. Absolute disaster. <laughs> disaster. <laughs> so Billy and Francine now have to go be political and, and uh, you know, uh, take, take care of uh, explaining what happened to the higher-ups, the powers that be. And then Amanda and Lear left standing there and... Uh, well, another day, another dollar, huh? Yeah. What do we do for an encore after a day like this? Well, Mother and the boys won't be home until tomorrow. I have a couple of steaks. What, you and me? Your house, just like uh, a couple of normal people. Let's give it a try. Yeah. Look at Amanda making the first move. Come over to my house. Yay! Have some steak! Yes! Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> now they're at Amanda's house and they've just eaten dinner and... Uh, now they're washing dishes, uh, you know, taking care of the mess there. And then Lee's explaining to her um, that two years ago, Ari Gershon headed the anti-terrorist group that went after Salih. He was also one of the organizers of that reception tonight. So he wanted revenge, but also the, no the notoriety. And so taking out, like, as many people as he could, plus the vice president was going to be there. He'd have both in spades, he said. So then they put, they finished uh, the, the dishes and then they, Lee grabs the coffee and she grabs the cakes, uh, little slices of cakes and they uh, go sit on the, on the couch. And he goes, I thought you were just going to pull something together. She goes, well, I baked a cake for Jamie's uh, fundraiser and then I baked an extra one. And she says, so I hope you like it. Homemade and I hope you like it. And then they, they're about to take a bite and then they look at each other, they clear they kind of look at each other and they just, it's like a knowing look, you know? Like, I'm not really interested in the cake. How about you? <laughs> but I still feel like Amanda makes the move here. Yeah, she totally does. <laughs> and, she puts and, down her cake first. She leans in first. Well, he leans in. He actually leans in. And he says Amanda. And then she moves in to, to kiss yeah. him. For, she He moves in first, but then she moves in with the mouth first, for sure. <laughs> and ugh, her mother comes home again so early I want to smack her every time I watch this I'm like maybe this time she won't come home early <laughs> after the 80th time watching this and she's like it's mother out the back and he's like oh so he jumps over the back grabs his coat and she takes and gets rid of his coffee cup and the cake and hides out the back and then she runs out and doesn't she goes to shut the door and he grabs her arm scoops her up and you kind of hear her kind of, you know, sucking air. And then he grabs her and they smile at each other. Oh, it's so cute. And then she's like, Amanda, there's a beautiful silver sports car parked, parked out front. Wouldn't it be fun if it belonged to a new neighbor? And then they kiss. Just a sweet kiss. But then the best part is when he goes to leave and it looks like he's going to kiss her again and she thinks he's going to. And then he doesn't. And then she kind of... Gives kind of a funny laugh. Oh. It's cute that he waited for her out there. It's so cute. Oh, that's that's a great ending. It really is. 
slight differences here in the end. The, the fight scene's a little different. Um, there's more talking in it, and um, Amanda's, Amanda sees, she sees that there's somebody walking uh, with a limp. So apparently he had a limp, but they didn't mention that before. And she says, that's him, that's Lee. And then he's he pushes the card against three agents, pinning them against the wall. He takes off, running past Amanda toward the lobby and ballroom. And then he rounds the corner and uh, grabs uh, Francine. So it's, it's slightly different in that way. Uh, so a short time later, Billy congratulates Amanda. Lee told me about the diary, Amanda. You did a fine job. And Amanda says, Millicent McDonald did all the work, sir. I just interpreted it. Lee and Francine approach them. Paramedics carry out Sully's body on a stretcher behind them. Francine says, Sully's dead. And then Lee says, really dead this time. Well, he who lives by the sword. He goes, yeah, maybe there is some justice. And then Van Cleef wanders out and says, disaster, an absolute disaster. We did see that. And then Billy, they leave. Now, um, moving with Amanda, well, moving with, the angle is moving with Lee and Amanda. Lee says, I'm starved. Why don't we go somewhere and get a bite to eat? And Amanda says, I've got a better idea. Mother and the boys aren't due back till tomorrow. Why don't I fix us dinner in, at the house? I think I've got a couple of steaks in the fridge. He goes, you and me at your house, just like normal people? She goes, why not? He goes, good question. They smile and continue down the corridor. As they do, we fade out. And then ending, oh, okay. So she crosses, so they're at the, at her on her couch with the coffee and the cake. He smiles, she's glowing. Lee says, yeah, I guess it is. And she crosses, sits on the sofa, her feet up next to him. You're, he goes, you're really something else. She says, no, I'm not. And he says... Amanda, if it hadn't been for you, a lot of people, including the vice president of the United States, could have been killed tonight. And she says, well, I did some pretty dumb things, too. And he says, Amanda, uh, about this morning, I, I'm sorry I chewed you out like that. I, I know you were only trying to do the right thing. She says, I'm glad you care enough to chew me out. He says, well, I do. When I saw you in the park, I thought you were, and then he waits a beat, and I realized how much... And they've begun to move closer at this point. And he says, how much you mean to me? And then it says, we're sure they're finally going to kiss when outside a car door slams and we hear the familiar voices. Dottie and the boys are back early. Lee and Amanda come, come, to, come to with a jolt. And Amanda says, oh my gosh, it's mother and the boys. They jump up. She pushes him toward the door and out past the table. Grab, grabs Lee's plate and um, place setting, which she throws in the sink. He hesitates at the door. She joins him. Lee, you better leave. He takes her by the shoulders. Not before I say one more thing. She says, what? He goes, I'm very glad you're alive. He kisses her soundly and with feeling, then disappears into the night. She stares after him, amazed. As the boys, followed by Dottie, enter. Mom, we're home. Amanda, there's a civil car out front. Do you know anything about it? Amanda, uh, on Amanda, still at the back door, still in the clouds. Fade out. Hmm. I like the film version better. Yeah, me too. Because uh -huh. she, like, goes out seeking it. Like, I yeah. like when she, like, she initiates it. Like, I think that that's, like, he, just so... But also, he uh -huh. grabs her and pulls her, you know, he could have left, but he didn't. He pulls her to him and... and that's true. She him. went out there to get him, but he also didn't leave. That's exactly. very true. Like, they, exactly. they both wanted it. Yes, it's they so totally both wanted finally. it. Finally. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, anyway, I think Donnie would have seen it 
seen that sports car around before. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not like it's a, a brown sedan or something, right? It's very specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And in that neighborhood, I'm sure it's very odd for it to be there. Yeah. So that was really good. I do like that one, though. Um, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So for sure. They're really, they're really moving and grooving now in this, in this season, you know, at the end of the season, yeah. they're really moving towards something, which is, which is nice. We've got some mail from Mrs. Marston. Lori W. has uh, sent us something on to catch a mongoose. So she's catching up on season two's episode one. She says, great podcast for this one. One cute thing I noticed in the tag that you didn't mention. When Amanda tells Conrad to fix his tie and she reaches up to adjust it, Lee gives a look like, hey, that's what you do for me. Thanks for sharing your perspective, Lori. Uh, We appreciate you uh, listening and commenting. If you would like to make a comment or ask us a question, feel free to reach out to us at mrskingschronicles at gmail.com or you can reach out to us like Lori did on our website at mkcpodcast.com. Ernie Camera brings you the video vault for Dead Men Leave No Trails. This episode combines dark terrorism with some very sweet interactions between Lee and Amanda. It's clear here that they are no longer fighting their attraction for each other and have officially started a romance. The first song is all about that attraction. The song is Can't Hold Back by Survivor, and the video is created by Love SK. In this episode, Amanda does all the hard work figuring out who Sully is, how to catch him, and his next plans for terrorism. She also seems to be making herself available to Lee. She really can do it all. The song is uh, She's Got Away by Billy Joel, and the song summarizes it perfectly, and the creative author for the video is TJSNK LBR. And last but not least, we have a bonus video to celebrate the first real kiss with a video entitled The Kissing History of Scarecrow Mrs. King. This video chronicles all the special moments and was put together by SNK Jenny Lee. These videos can be found on YouTube, and we've provided links on our website at mkcpodcast.com. It's time for Dottie's Bookshelf. She's once again provided us with two fan fiction stories that tie into the episode. Her first recommendation is Leave the Light On by Lainey Sullivan. The story was written in March of 2016 and has about 1,800 words. This story begs the question, what if Dottie and the boys hadn't come home early? It is obvious that Amanda is not expecting that them home anytime soon. Dottie's second recommendation is Dead Men Leave No Trails What If, written by Isabel, and has less than 400 words. It looks into what may have happened if Dottie and the boys hadn't come home right when they did. It's definitely briefer and most definitely tamer than Dottie's first recommendation. We're sure you'll enjoy both stories. You can find the first story on fanfic.net and the second on smkfanfic.net. As always, we'll provide links on our website in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for Dead Men Leave No Trails. For even more fun, be sure to check out our website at mkcpodcast.com and on Facebook and Twitter at mkcpodcast. You can also join our private Facebook group, Mrs. King's Chronicles. Just be sure to answer the two membership questions in order to be approved. Join us next time as we head to the Jazz Club for the boy who could be king. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.